Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have our guest on today and Mario Alioto from the San Francisco Giants, uh, Executive Vice President of Business Operations, along with my co-host Andy Dolich. And uh, Andy, uh, Pat spent many years in the front office, uh, quite a few probably with Mario as, as uh, you know, we get into talking baseball on, on the Life in the Front Office, uh, many, many years between yourself, Pat, Fred, um, it's exciting to kind of see baseball back. And of course, uh, we're going to dive into Mario's uh, career journey into the front office and his time in the Bay Area. So nonetheless, welcome. Great. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Andy. I got to say, you know, seeing Andy with a Giants cap on actually is very exciting. So, uh, uh, but you know, Andy and, and Pat Gallagher were a legend uh, in sports. So, yeah. When you think about the both of them and the things they've accomplished, um, you know, a lot of what we do in our business today, especially in the Bay Area, their names constantly come up. So uh, I'm glad he's on this as well today. Right. And we bring our names up a lot. And I happened to see Pat at a, a social event on Friday and I was sitting at a table with the guy and the guy goes, hey, do you know Pat Gallagher? This is no lie. And I go, yeah, why? He said, well, I was just speaking to a colleague of mine, Ann Cribs, who's very well known in the Bay Area, Bay Area Sports Organizing Committee. And she says, based upon what this guy was doing, I need to meet Pat Gallagher. And I point like 50 feet away and I go, oh yeah, Pat's right over there. Why don't I bring him over after he's finished with lunch? And that's how it happened. So it's all relationships and networks and, um, Far be it from me to be somewhat caustic, cynical, or sarcastic, but if you look at the San Francisco Giants organization over a long period of time, and we've talked about this many times, teamwork, leadership, and trust. If you don't have them, you don't have anything. And Mario, if you could just walk us through your time in the business of sports and the years that you've been in sport and you've been with the Giants, that level of trust teamwork that you guys exhibit. Um, it would be great as you move through the various decades that you worked in the business, how you generate teamwork, leadership, and trust. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Andy. It's, uh, you know, my story is a little bit different, I guess, than others, because I this has been my career since I was a small child. I actually, I grew up near uh, pretty close to Candlestick Park, about two or three miles away. And I was lucky enough in 1973 to start working as a bat boy for the Giants on the visiting clubhouse side. And I did that, you know, through, through the 70s and uh, definitely, a, you know, a very lucky young man at the time. Um, I left the Giants in 1979, uh, but in 1980, I was asked to come back to run the visiting clubhouse. Uh, we had, there was a change going on and uh, uh, I was at St. Mary's College and I got, I saw in the newspaper that someone had passed away. Go Gales, going to win the NCAA right, championship. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody would, so I knew there was going to be an opening and I got a call from Mike Murphy and said, you want to come back to work for the Giants? So 80, 81, and 82, I worked in a visiting clubhouse. I was, you know, I, I was 19, 20 years old. So it was a great job at the time. 
but I knew I always wanted to get to the front office. I like, I like putting events on. I like organizing things. Um, I was in a band for a long time and this is kind of like show business. Say there's something about it that was, that was, that I really have always liked. So then I went to Pat Gallagher and asked, kind of begged for a job in the front office. Um, and that was in 1983. I went up there and worked for our giant retail dugout stores for a while, but I knew I wanted to get into marketing. I knew I wanted to get into the promotion side of the business. And, um, Pat trusted me at the time. I mean, here's just a young kid out of uh, out of the clubhouse, and I, I I didn't want to be stereotyped as someone who can't do other things, and I wanted I felt like I had something to prove, and Pat gave me that opportunity, and I got to tell you, after all these years, I can't believe I'm still there, but I also can't believe I still wake up every day and love what I do because the 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 the, the sport changes, the game changes, the days change, but the game is still the game. And one thing Pat Gallagher taught me, and I'll never forget this is the day that he left the Giants, he said, don't forget you're in the fun business. And I remember that every single day that I worked because, you know, oftentimes when we do our jobs, it's easy to think about that fan who sits in the best seat right behind home plate. But what about the fan who only can afford to come to one game a year who sits in the worst seat in the ballpark? We've got to make that, that entertainment value and that experience just as good for that person as that season ticket holder who may come to every single game and sit in the best seat in the house. I love that. I love the emotional side of this business. Um, I love the tradition of this business. I mean, there's nothing more more satisfying than bringing former players back and seeing our fans emotional in the stands, bringing back their memories. It's a, it's just it, there's it's a it's a very emotional business. Um, but I will say, over the years, it has gotten more business like uh, than maybe the the you know, what it was like when I first got into business. It doesn't make it bad. It just makes the, the world's different. The business is different. The stakes are higher, but the game is still the same game. And that's what I, what I love about it. And I would, I would just say that as somebody that goes to Giants games, um, maybe without wearing my Giants hat, but not wearing my A's hat, I've, I've learned that, um, in and around uh, the ballpark, and it's not easy for me to say Oracle, right? I mean, I totally appreciate it, but Pac Bell and, and what you built years ago, and we'll get into that too. It's the fact that the Giants have created this wonderful atmosphere outside the stadium. So whether it's a ticket taker, whether it's a security guard, whether it's some other official, you know, to what Mario said, you're welcoming them to your house. And, you know, how many people are going to get to see Mario during the game or Larry Bear or, you know, somebody else in the front office? They're not, most likely. But one bad, you know, bratwurst sale can turn somebody off. And as long as those people are smiling, the transaction, and that's not easily done when you're talking, what's a full compliment for opening night? How many hundreds or thousands of people are working there? No, uh, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. You're right. You know, depending if we're sold out, which we always hope to be. But, but you know, Andy, it's interesting you say that because when we moved from Candlestick to the ballpark, which we still call the new ballpark, even though it's, that was we opened in 2000, we really put an emphasis on customer service. Now, I don't want to make it sound like that was, you know, some, some great idea that no one's ever done before. But the idea that the game is one part of it, but the experience is everything. It's not just the nine innings of the, of the game. And that the, the, the people who actually touch our customers, whether it's the security guard or the ticket taker at the time when we actually were taking tickets, not scanning them, <laughs> um, those, those folks are part of the experience. And they have to have just as much pride in what they do 
and feel that they're part of this giant family uh, as the rest of us. And I think that's a that's a big part of it. And the customer service level. I mean, there's something we've always, you know, everyone always talks about Disney and how great they are. And I always tell the story that uh, when I was a kid, I remember being in Tomorrowland once, uh, sitting. I know exactly where I was sitting, and this guy came over. You know, they guys they have their white outfits on and the dustpan and the and the broom, and he's going around, you know, uh, sweeping up. But then he took his flashlight and went behind the bushes and looked in the bushes. That's the 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 the, the attention to detail that made them different. And the question is, in our business, what 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 is our version of that? How can we be? Uh, how can our attention to detail be just like that one person looked behind the bushes in Tomorrowland to make sure there weren't you know scraps of paper back there? That whole customer experience piece of of coming to a Giants game. Um, became a real priority to us. The game, and Pat always taught us that you can't control the game, but you can control everything else. The question is, how good are you at it? And we're, you know, and we're no, no one's ever perfect, but we try to make an emphasis on the customer and service. And Mario business. and I did not choreograph this, but you know, I have a lot of props. And here's one. There's a guy there that you can see. He's pretty well known. His yep. Name, his name is Walt Disney. Yep. And what it says, I was given this as a gift literally last week, because somebody knows that I was a big proponent of Disney, as is Pat and many others. It says, it's kind of fun to do the impossible, hmm. Walt Disney. And then it goes like that, and bingo, there's Disneyland. Right. And that's what we all strive for. Yeah, um, it really is. You know. 22 years at that park is like, going through a neighborhood and one neighbor has a real scrubby lawn. It doesn't look very good. They need the house repainted. And other neighbor is like that, right? The place is beautiful. And that doesn't come easily. You know, it, all of those people that Mario just talked about have to make that ballpark their home. And they do. Right. And, and you know what? You need to smile a lot. You need to be, but you need to love what you do. You need to like going to work. So you and, can't fake that. No, no, you can't. It, not, not over 82 home games. I mean, you have to really enjoy and you have to enjoy people. But I will say this, the one thing that, that the Giants, and I will give the credit to Larry Bear about uh, on this, is that Larry really taught us, and Peter McGowan as well, that, you know, you have to strive for the impossible once in a while. And you know, Peter always had this line that says, don't try to get 100% right on everything because you'll never do anything. Take some risks. It's okay to make mistakes. And I think with that entrepreneurial, that spirit that the Giants seem to have had over the last, you know, we continue to have now, has given all of us the, the, the green light to try things and to screw up once in a while, but, but try to take some risks. And I think that's why the ballpark was built, frankly, because um, a lot of risks, there was a lot of risk taking then, and we have to continue to think that way because especially with especially today, as the world is changing so quickly and our fans are changing and what they're looking for out of their experience is changing, if we don't change, uh, we're going to have big troubles down down the road. And we have a very um, nostalgic, old-fashioned game. And part of our, our, our tug of war here is we need to change. And the question is, do we change for the customer or are we going to ask the customer to change to appeal to us? It really is a combination, but we need to change and listen more to what our customer is looking for today because it's not the same thing I was looking for when I was, you know, when I first was introduced to baseball years ago. Mario, when you, when you think about the customer at the ballpark and then the customer 
globally, digitally, right? There's two totally different fans, but you want to appeal to all of them. And so when you think about the digital experience too now and, and how you curb to, you know, the fan that's in New York that maybe grew up in the Bay Area, but their job took them out, out East or, or vice versa, right? And you think about how do you, how do you make sure that their experience, if they can't get to a game, you know, maybe once in every five years, how do you make sure that you still hold on to that person as a fan, paying attention, being engaged with, you know, the Giants as a brand as a whole? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jake, because, um, you know, oftentimes when we talk about, you know, who are, who are Giants fans, for too long, we thought a Giants fan means someone who buys a ticket and comes to the ballpark. And that's not really, a, you can be a Giants fan and live in, I don't know, Fort Bragg, California, never come to a game, but follow us very intently on social media and all the other ways you can follow us. That fan to us is just as emotionally attached to us as someone who's coming to the game. So it's something that's really important as we as we move forward. And you know, which really gets me into what, you know, I, I think we'll probably get into this at some point is, you know, we've all relied on what a season ticket is. Someone who makes their decision up front to come to X amount of games and buy, you know, buy a package and before they know whether the product is, is going to be a good year or not, but you already have their commitment. In today's world, because of the secondary market, you know, the secondary market has really changed the buying pattern of, uh, of, of fans. You could stand in front of the ballpark after the game started and click on your phone and walk right in. So, you know, the question is, what is that next product that is going to give us a steady stream of, stream of revenue and a commitment from fans that feels like they're part of the Giants community that may not include a ticket to the game? That is the thing we're all trying to figure out. And it's the, you know, it's the new subscription product, if you will. And a subscription product isn't necessarily like a wine club where you get wine delivered to your house, you know, four times a year. It's part of it. But, you know, is it, is, is it a different way that fans can stay engaged with us and have an ongoing relationship 12 months a year and not six months a year like it is now? We are all spending a lot of time trying to figure that one out because when the season ticket, when the season ticket notion that we're all used to goes away, then we're left with, the quality of the team is going to make us successful or not at the box office. And we, that, that is a scary thing. We're trying to figure out a way to, to, to create this giant's community. That's 12 months a year. That is not that it's not just measured by baseball tickets and coming, coming to games, but how do we make that experience 12 months a year? How do we deliver content to them 12 months a year? And frankly, the other thing is, you know, we, we say it often, but it's hard to live it. We have to listen more to our customers, what they want to buy. I always say, let's try to sell people what they want to buy, not what we want to sell. And part of that is you have to listen to the customer more, and we need to get all get better at that. Well, you're, and, you're and you, look at, you know, you look at this when we started in the business. What was this? It was a brick phone or no phone. That's right. And now every sport on the face of the earth has to understand how this works for every age group out there or they're at a lock, right? Absolutely. Absolutely true. And, and it's, it is, it is going to become your, your, it, 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 there's information there, how you buy your food is through there, how you, how you enter the game, the, the, the game with your ticket is through there, but how you keep fans engaged with content is really critical. And, you know, even if you're thinking about how do you follow us now? I mean, it's not the old days where you get a newspaper anymore. I mean, you know, it's just it's, those days are gone. But, you know, I have four kids. They, they're they on their phones constantly. This is what they, this is how they get through everything. And 
you know, and the other thing is where I think we're struggling with is for as much as we love our game, how do you condense the game and the highlights for what it is to, to deliver to kids what they're looking for today? What's that new customer looking for? Um, I mean, I can go on for hours. There's just, there's so many questions we just don't have all the answers to, but I think we're starting to pinpoint the areas that we need to really start to develop quickly over the next few years. Well, Pat, you know, Pat and I, we're not very friendly. Um, you know, we've only, when I came to the Bay Area in 1980, the first person I visited in sports, Pat Gallagher. Yeah. And he could have said, oh, you work for the A's. Nice seeing you. I'll never talk to you again. Um, and, you know, we, we became friends from that moment because we were in the same business. Yes, we were competing against each other, not directly, but ultimately that kind of understanding of you're in the fun business. Yeah. It sounds so elementary, but all of these games are getting so complicated and you analyze this and you metricize that and you slice and dice it. Great. If the family of four doesn't have something that they think is affordable and entertaining, good luck to how you slice and dice your analytics. Yeah, but I think the other thing with that, Andy, is I think we have to we have to recognize that everyone who comes to a game are coming for different reasons. Some people are coming because they are into every pitch, every stat. They're they're into everything. Others are coming just because it's something to do. It's a smell. It's it's it's, it's nostalgic to bring the kids out for a little bit, whatever those ideas are. And I think the other thing is we kind of forget that if we have 20,000, 40,000 people, there's 40,000 people there with different reasons and things they're going through in, you know, personal yeah, issues. I, I agree. And this is our getaway. This is our, this is a respite. And you can't program the, you can't program the ballpark just one way and try to appeal to everyone. And I think. Yeah. It's like a kaleidoscope. And then you go like this and go, Oh, can you make it uh, orange and black? Well, not exactly right no. and you know the, the, i remember at the time when well it still happens today people you know the, a hardcore fan will criticize a fan who's at the game looking at their phone or they're spending time walking around this is a sport it's a social game it's a social sport it's not like i remember one time i i uh years ago uh, i was invited to a new york rangers game and i sat behind the, the glass and i'd never been to a hockey game before and i was excited and and i was like a, a, a partner of ours and and you probably remember him because he was, but anyway, he was with, he worked for MLB or with MLB. And I remember during the game, I was talking to him. He said, Mark, you can't talk during the game. I said, why? Because, but people are just focused on what was happening on the ice. And it's, and it, baseball is not like that. It's a very social game. And, uh, but frankly, that's the beauty of it, I think. And that's the poetry of our game. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a whole different, it's a romantic game. And I think, it, and, and I think we're trying to hold on to that, but, at the same time, we have to recognize that as the world changes, you know, there are certain parts of our game we need, to, not the game, but the experience that we need to change. And, and that's what we're trying to do. Make sure. And, and by the way, winning helps too. No, <laughs> well, yeah. All right. World Series, World Series, World Series. Yeah. Every two years. Fine. Yeah. Um, but make sure sometime in spring training or the start of the season, you replay Bart Giamatti's Greenfields of the Mind. Okay. Would you Bart do Bart Giamatti. I remember him when he went to one of our games and one of our meetings. I was talking before you got on, Andy, with Jake about our about our business meetings in Scottsdale every year and uh, how at a time we all used to network differently. You know, we'd probably have three hours of meetings and six hours of fun, you know, and uh, but we got to know each other. And that's how we exchange ideas. 
where we felt like we were all on the same side and not, not necessarily competitors. Um, right. You Absolutely. Know. Mario, for some for for someone who's listening, who's either in a different sport, they want to get into the business, whatever it might be, and they don't have the context around what's the evolution of the flow of revenue, right? As Andy's mentioned on the podcast of many times, you know the the blood running through the vein of sports is green, right? And the as color of, of the flow color, the color. Sorry, through the veins of sports is. Green. You Green. get a C for tonight's spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a long, long Monday. Anyways, you know, as you think about um, how many different ways in which you can generate revenue in which you engage the fan, as we were just talking about, right? There's the concessions, the merchandise, um, the even the, the the digital revenue of some sort, wherever that falls. Can you just talk about how that's evolved and where it's evolving to as you think about those things that you were just talking about in terms of subscriptions and this, that, and the other that you're thinking yeah, about. Yeah, I think I think the biggest question there is is well, you know, I think if you look at your main sources of revenue, you know, that are the local revenue, you know, it's ticket sales is obviously is is a, is a big deal. Your concession revenue, your sponsorship revenue, um, uh, you know, there's a, those who control the retail, the retail revenue. Those are all all big areas. Um, but I think, you know, now in our case, and a lot of ballparks now too, you also have separate business. You have, you know, you, you have 81 home games, but you also have the rest of the season where you're, you, you have concerts and other, other events too, which is a big part of it. Um, but I think what, what the real question is going to be, because media rights is such a big part of, of, of sport, whether it's na- national or whether it's local. But the question is, where's, where's the media rights going? I should say media rights. Where are the, where's the media experience going in the future? And I think that is going to be a big, a big, uh, a big change as we move forward. As as Andy said, as more people, you know, if more things are streamed, and you know, there's different ways of staying connected with your with your sports team, you know, where's that piece of it going to be? I, let's put it this way: I never thought that a couple of years ago we'd be selling cutouts in the ballpark. We didn't have one human body in the ballpark, and our fans got excited. And we had we had we were sold, you know, we sold so so we sold uh, cutouts. Um, but there are also little things. And I kind of want to get back to what we talked about earlier that, you know, it's just the entrepreneurial spirit of trying new things. And we started, a new, and again, when I say we, I don't want to sound like we're the first of these things, but even something as little as we know fans every year fly to spring training on their own. Well, why don't we come up with our own travel business and do it for them? You know, trying to figure out different areas of businesses that we can get in that use the, the, the hook of the emotional connection with, our, with, the, with someone's favorite team but how do we how do we branch into other businesses so that we're just not relying on baseball games and tickets and hot dogs to pave the way? You know, when the ballpark was built and we knew we had to we had to pay for it privately, the idea that maybe a, a business that was here for a convention didn't want to be in a in a hotel ballroom with four sterile walls will have your event at the ballpark. You know, the, so thinking of things differently, like all teams are doing now. I think it's a big part of it. It's I know Pat has said this for years. You got to take the blinders off and try and I go back to risk taking and uh, not overthinking this, you know. Um, but there's but but you know, but the season ticket and the ticket piece of this is the thing that keeps us all up at, awake at uh, awake at night because it's we're trying to figure that one out because the idea that's that we have someone's commitment before we play the first game um, has always kind of allowed us to run our business. But if we had a business where you you can you only knew if somebody was coming to the game the night before and you're relying more on the quality of your team, 
that's a little scarier. So we're trying to figure out what's that committed source of revenue that we can all rely on, uh, and I think in the years ahead. That's what we're putting our time into right now. And, and as soon as we go video, Mario just gave me a cue because he used the word hook. You've got to think about 24 seven, 365. Now, this is not your normal hook, but we this did not, is a we did real, not practice this. This is a real hook. And as Mario was talking, if you went to China Basin or Mission Bay 24 years ago, you wouldn't. You would look at that and go, I'm not going there. I'm not walking around there. I'm not hanging around there. And it is a miracle um, in terms of what it's become with what the giants were revolutionary and the first there and then UCSF, now the warriors um, living spaces and retail, right? Now there's a retail hook and that was an overnight success for you guys that only took 22 years. <laughs> it took a few years, but you know what, Andy, with the time, you're right. Uh, you wouldn't want to drive through that area, but the ballpark became the focal point. And because um, at the time there was nothing else but the ballpark, you know, uh, but that that became ground zero and and it started to create what is now a new neighborhood, uh, which is fascinating to drive through and to realize, oh, my God, people live. They want to live here now. What it a is so much a multi-billion dollar Oz. And I don't think that's an overstatement in so many ways because University of California, you know, San Francisco Hospital and all that has become a focal, play, a focal point in the world for medical research. Who would have ever thought about that, right? When you were sort of, uh, sort of cutting the ribbon for <laughs> Pac Bell Park. You know, yeah. 22 years ago. No, it's amazing. And I think that Chase Center is like, we're like bookends to this neighborhood now. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing. And I think, you know, looking back, you know, Andy, when you first got in the game and frankly, me too, you know, the trend then was to build ballparks out, you know, in the suburbs surrounded by parking and drive. Now it's, you want to be in the community and walk to it and, and, and take, you know, public transportation. It's a whole different experience. So now when you leave the ball, the, the game, you want to stay in the neighborhood or you come to the neighborhood early. That is the difference. That's all part of the experience of going to a, going to a sporting right. event. And of course, I never talk about the Oakland A's and the Coliseum and the success that we had and where the A's are at now. Are they going to Vegas? Are they not? Are they going to Howard Terminal? And I just tell people, look, all you have to do is look at China Basin. If you tell me the Coliseum's not capable of being that, then you're full of crap. Because look at what those guys did. Well, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And, and there was a lot of hard work. There was a lot of luck. It was a lot of timing. But there was a lot of passion into it. And I got to, again, go back to Peter and Larry, who constantly, they both are the kind of people that if you say no, the answer is why not? You know, you got to figure it out. And um, that's the atmosphere of working for the Giants. It's, if you, the answer is never no. It's, we're in the yes business, we, we always say. And... Um, but the idea that you have a smaller ballpark that has some character to it. Um, I mean, I never thought that the, that we would, I so remember years ago when at media day, we introduced that Krispy Kreme Donuts was gonna be you know, at the ballpark. That was front page of the Chronicle the next day, the food, because we're gonna serve a donut. I mean, that's the difference I think of maybe sports in the West Coast versus you know, what an East Coast you know, fan is like. 
but we know food is a big deal deal to us. We we want to we want it to feel like neighborhoods of the ballpark. I mean, of the city. And you know, Larry's always said this too: is yeah, it's a business, but you know, it's a franchise, and we're caretakers of it. And we're you know, our the ultimate goal of what why we exist is to make the Bay Area a better place to live. I mean, I know it sounds kind of corny, but I think it's true. And so Mario, that, are you that's saying, what sports teams are? Mario, are you saying that you? being on the West Coast, the Bay Area is a little bit wacky, that crazy crab would work area, but lunatic lobster wouldn't work at Fenway Park. Is is that is that what you're saying? He's my hero. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. so, I didn't know that, but he's my hero too. You know, long live John Crawford. Absolutely. But it's just another zany idea that Pat and John and Gary Freeman and those guys had. Um, and I still remember the day they pitched it to us. I still remember John, uh, what, just him going through with uh, Bob Lurie and others um, about this idea of having an anti-mascot at, at our ballpark. It was a loony idea. But again, it goes back to what Pat said. It's like, let's not take this too seriously. It's a game. It's fun. So let's have some fun with it. And um, I don't know. It, it really is the fun business. So you guys both know that. And now it can get very serious at times. I mean, I never thought we'd we'd have a playoff game with the Dodgers last year. It felt like the World Series. That was a lot of fun, but it was serious fun. Um, but I, I go back to one thing that I keep saying is that this is a very sports is very emotional, and and if you're passionate about it, because I think it brings us back to our childhood. I think that's why there's something about that, and. Sometimes we don't want to that's admit that. That's why the three of us have been in the business. <laughs> that's why we're talking about it the way we are, because it brings us back to what we call the good old days. You know, when you're Mike a middle-aged guy, Jake is a baby, and I'm a senior yeah, a citizen. Baby. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but it brings us back to an innocent age. And I think when during a game, the ultimate goal is to get people to get away from their daily lives for a little bit and just and, and to enjoy something. And I, that is what this is. And, um, um, you know, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why we do what we do. Jake, well, why don't you bring us, Jake, bring us home because we're going to have seven other sessions with Mario before he reaches his 50th year with the Giants. Well, I, you know, I have, I have two thoughts. You know, one is you're thinking about, you know, like when you step your foot into the ballpark, right? Like what's the first thing that pops into your mind? And part of it is whether as a fan on game day or just even in the office, it's like the memories, right? It's the relationships you kind of went back to earlier. And I think about all the road trips that like my family and I took to go to all these different ballparks, right? And that's the first thing that it's part of your upbringing, right? And if that's, you know, part of it, you want to create that experience for others. And so I think there's that passion point for a lot of people but maybe experience something of that, you know, similar. Uh, you talked about fawning. You talked about food, though. There's an Italian restaurant in the family, I think, maybe. Is that, am I correct? There was. There was. <laughs> there was. Okay. Uh, yeah, What's that, the one thing you learned from that world, the restaurant world? Um, you know, it's interesting you say that because I look at the restaurant world and the sports world very similarly. The dining room is the field. That's that's the stage. And whether you're delivering a ball game or whether you're delivering a, a meal, people don't have to be there. There's choices they have of where they want to go. And are you giving them a good time? Are they happy when you when they leave? I believe the restaurant business is also the fun business. Um, I found it very similar. And uh, so, you know, it's funny you say that. And the other thing, 
Jake, because you talk about walking to a ballpark, and I'm, I love walking into an empty ballpark and just looking around. It's like I do that. I'll do that all the time. And in my mind, I can hear the cheering. I see Willie Mays out there. I see Bonds hitting his home runs. I see. Uh, I mean, it's just there's something to me that's magical about an empty, uh, huge arena or a ballpark. There's something cool about that because um, it is where people come together to have an unbelievable time. And there's been a lot of those times over the years for me personally. I, I'll just throw one out because as you were talking, remember, I remember in 1993 when the current ownership team uh, group bought the team. That first um, that first opening day, we brought the Grateful Dead together and Tony Bennett as part of our, our, our pregame show. I never thought I would see the both of them on the field at the same time. And they're both for both of them, their careers continued for quite a while. But that's the stuff that many people remember. I don't remember who, who we even played that day. I don't remember what we won or lost, but I remember Tony Bennett and the Grateful Dead being on uh, at the ballpark when we opened up that, that season. Those are the types of things that I think make this this business really cool. Uh, it's not just the players; it's other things that you can do. Or the time Robin Williams came out during the World Series and, and said "play ball" to all the fans and got them rallied up. Those little memories like that, I think people will continue to remember. And just like Willie Mays, you know, was my hero when I was a kid. Buster Posey now is the, is the Willie Mays to, to this generation of Giants fans. That is a cool thing, I think, in our business. And I think if you can continue to remember that and hold on to those types of things, um, it makes us, for those of us who work in it, remember how special and lucky we are. Uh, I'll end it this way here. A few uh, years ago, Doug Harvey, who was a um, an umpire for, you know, Major League Baseball for many years, he did a thing, after he was retired, he did, we hired him to do something on our scoreboard of you make the call. Anyway, after the after he came up, he I, I drove him back to the airport and uh, for him to drive home. And right before he closed the door to my car, he said, "Mario, don't forget we're the lucky ones." And I thought, yeah, just and he closed the door. But it stuck with me because you know we are lucky to do what we do and to be in the business that we're in, and to be able to still get up and love what we do. And uh, and I'm glad that I'm still uh, after these years, I still feel that way about it because. Um, because it's a great business and it's ever changing and we're in the business of creating memories for, uh, for the next generation. Love it. It's uh, ton, tons of nuggets to take away from today's episode. Uh, of course, we'll have you on again, maybe after another, uh, well, I shouldn't, I, I can't say another world series because that, I mean, now we're in the same division. I don't, I don't know about that one, but. Uh, well, we'll, that's true. Hey, I'm just happy we're, that we're playing and. That's uh, right. And we are in the National League, so that's good. And and I would say this at the end, you know, baseball and food, they go together. Um, that's an extra fun and food. And to those fans who live in Florida, they live in the Baltimore, Washington Metro, there's Dungeon-esque Rabbit Aliotos in the old days. And then there's other stuff. So that is right. Is that right, Mario? never forget the crab never forget the crab and i heard late today that the a's elephant is worried about being traded for a donkey he's heard some talk oh based hey. upon everybody going i i talked to the elephant about a half an hour before the podcast and told him tusker you're good don't worry about it You know, uh, 
let's not underestimate those mascots. Big part of what we do, you know. Absolutely. Mario, really appreciate the time. Thanks, Looking forward Thanks. to uh, uh, having you on again in the future. Hey, you baseball guys, uh, take a deep breath and then go back to work for another five hours. This uh, is good. Get ready. See you. Guys, thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.